Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. This year's Australian Open, Novak Djokovic proves once again he is the master of Melbourne. Extending his own record with a 10th title down under. He also ties Rafa Nadal at the top of the men's all-time list. 22 Grand Slam singles titles, but wait, there's more. He will now reclaim the number one ranking in the world. Novak Djokovic once again proving he does things nobody else on the planet can do. Welcome in to TC Live, our final hour show of the Australian Open. It has been a pleasure these past 15 days. John Wertheim, Lindsay Davenport, Prakash Amitraj, I'm Steve Weissman. And uh, it's been a spectacular fortnight, Lindsay. What a way to finish Novak Djokovic making even more history. Yeah, as soon as that first week was over on the men's side, it really seemed like this was Novak's tournament once again. And the, see the level he was able to pull out of himself. I mean, those first few rounds, he did not look 100%. So I'm not running after balls. We saw him grimacing, really un-Novak-like stuff. And then at the end, you saw how much it meant to him and everything he's been through these last couple of years, really historic moments in, in Melbourne last night. 22. Uh, no, what you realize here is that there's a lot more to winning these events than just beating seven other players. And we saw after the match, Novak let it all out, and you realize you have the weight of what happened last year, the weight of the pressure of being the Novak against the field, the weight of history. He, he had the 22 on his jacket. Imagine if he hadn't closed the deal and had that in his bag. What you realize is that winning these majors is, yes, about winning 21 sets, but about winning so much more. Every time Roger, Rafa, or Novak comes to one of these Grand Slams and is able to get it, you can't help but think all the way back. And when you see those older clips of Novak and what he had to overcome as a young player and dealing with, you know, Roger and Rafa at the top here and how could you ever break into that, and now to see where he is, it's just, it's, it's monumental. Reminds me a little bit of when Jordan came in. You had Magic and Larry there in the NBA and the Pistons kind of beating him up. And then all of a sudden, you know, pulls out this different beast. And that's what we've seen from him. And no sign of slowing down. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> Crazy. No LeBron or Steph waiting in the wing. No, no, no. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah. 15 years ago, won his first major right. right here at the Australian Open and still going strong. We will take you set by set through last night's championship match. Prakash Novak coming in on that 27-match win streak at the Australian Open. He had also won nine straight against Stefano Tsitsipas. Well, he got off to as good a start as he wanted. Just seemed to be fully in control all the way through. And the crazy thing about him is he just has so much margin on all the shots. He makes you go for shots you wouldn't normally go for. Steph feeling a little bit of pressure coming up with a double there to lose his serve. But uh, another good example here, Steph just in the middle of a rally, almost a little bit of a bailout shot because you're just not sure where to go. Where do you attack, Novak? Even in recent months, his forehand has seemingly gotten so much better. And here, the absolute epitome of Novak's game. Really return and seem to be out of the point. Steph rushes him, but his movement is just there to be able to find the pass. 
able to take that first set. Not the ideal start for the Greek, but as good as Novak could have possibly wanted. Everybody on this set said yesterday, Sitsipas needed to start quickly. That did not happen. Take a look at these numbers. Djokovic won 17 of 18 points on his first serve. Got that one break of serve, and of course, the winners to unforced errors led that category as well. So first set to Novak Djokovic. What are you thinking at that point? Well, we all said that for Steph, he was going to have to start well. He didn't get the start he really needed or really wanted, and he couldn't get into any of the return games. Yes, Novak was serving great on the first serve, but Steph seemed a little unclear how he wanted to go about his second serve return, and that was going to be crucial. He could have maybe put a little bit of more pressure on Novak with some better second serve returns. He wasn't. Novak served very relaxed and very free, and that was the first set. Yep, Novak holding no problem, Steph struggling to hold. And I like your point that Novak puts so much pressure on you with his return, with his precision, it changes your risk-reward calculus. And we saw Sitsipas either going for too much or hitting mid-rally drop shots because he got the feeling he didn't know what was coming next. It's a catch-22. You're supposed to put pressure on the opponent, but... You need the opportunities to be able to do so. How do you create those when your opponent's giving you absolutely nothing? It's, it's a tough situation. And when all this is going on, packed broad labor arena, how are you able to think right. on the spot? Right. It's a situation that Djokovic has been in nine times previously, had won all of those, and in the tenth time took the first set. Let's go through sets two and three. Since he passed, making some adjustments, Lindsay, and the second set got a lot closer. And this was the only break point at all in the second set. It was also a set point for Steph. This was really his golden opportunity in the second set. Finally got into a return game and got into a rally. But like so many other points, Novak just adapted so well. Here, he's making sure he's got great margin, great consistency, great height over the net, and then finally gets a forehand he likes and pulls the trigger. That turned the tide also in the second set. Novak was able to get out of this service game gets the crowd even more involved, and we head to a breaker. A little bit of a hiccup in the breaker, but Novak ends up with the second set. Of two sets to love in this situation at this place, he has never given up that lead. No, and again, in the third set, it, he just never thought that down two sets to love. <laughs> that step was going to be able to mount that big of a comeback. Novak continued with his great play. A couple of points from victory here, and Steph really held strong in this 10th game to hold serve. Pushes it to a breaker, but once again, Novak gets out to a huge lead. That really hurts Steph in both the second and third set breakers. Novak then a little tight getting across the finish line, but what a moment it was for him. Third championship point and just textbook Novak Djokovic. I mean, the forehand was on fire this entire match. He outserved since he passed, won 82% of his first serves, 36 winners, 22 unforced errors, got the two breaks. And once again, it is Novak Djokovic with this type of emotion. John, uh, you can see what it means to him. Yeah, and you talk about his ability to compartmentalize. I mean, you'll see in a few seconds here how it all comes out. This is what he kept inside while he was playing, though, and celebrating. Think about where he was a year ago. Uh, it's been a busy two weeks, and it all came pouring out. For a, for a guy who just, you know, seems so stoic on the court and who just, you know, seems like a machine at times, uh, I, for one, just, uh, I love seeing it. You know, when the tears poured out, it, it just, you know, it makes it so relatable because he, too, goes through such difficult times. And I think afterward, whether it was him or Goran explaining how severe the injury actually was mm. and, and what it took to do it, outstanding.
The memories also of last year came pouring out of Novak in this moment with his brother and his mom. It's really a lot to handle. At one point, his agent was trying to ask the cameras to give them some space. A journey only Novak and his team can understand. If I <clears throat> turn back the time two and a half weeks ago, uh, you know, I wasn't really liking my chance in this tournament with, uh, with uh, the way I felt with my leg. And, uh, you know, then I, it was just a matter of survival of every single match and just trying to take it to the next round. It was a huge relief uh, and release of the emotions in the end. Um, yeah, just uh, difficult to, to find any additional words, really. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a long journey, but a very, very special one. You know, Novak is, is a player that pushes you to, to your limits and... Um, I don't see this as a curse. I don't see this as like uh, something annoying. Um, this is very good for the sport uh, to have competitors like him, to have champions like him. It's very important for us um, that uh, want to get to his point one day. And getting our, you know, asses kicked is for sure a very good lesson every single time. I find I find it uh, a very important part of, of my of my career to, to have a player like him that will help me uh, grow better and uh, do bigger things. No lies told there. A perfect 10 for 10 in Australian Open finals for Novak Djokovic, extending his own historic records. The serve, he was better at that. Obviously played a much cleaner match than Stefano Tsitsipas to win in straight sets. Lindsay, he talked after a matter of survival said this is probably the biggest victory of his life. He's, he's won some big matches against, you know, Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer. This is the biggest one. Talk more about that reaction that you saw from him after. Yeah, it, it was incredibly emotional and seeing it all play out. We're so used to seeing him be so incredibly tough and keep everything really locked in. And at the, in the beginning, it was more of like letting it out. And then all of a sudden, the emotions come pouring out. It's interesting also hearing Goran speak after the match and saying that if you had seen his MRI 48 hours before the tournament started there's no way and you know we knew he was injured we didn't maybe know to the extent he was injured and then you have to think back to his experience last year and you know it was probably extremely difficult for him to get back on a plane to come again this year and to be able to win and how about all the support from the Serbians there? I mean, the, the amount of grounds passes they sold, the grounds were absolutely jam-packed out there. The exactly. There were so many people there. There was an extra, what, 31,000 people on the grounds. Not the 15,000 that were watching, but another 31,000 watching. It was a lot for him. Um, his wife and kids, he still hasn't seen them. So I imagine that'll be another very emotional uh, time for Novak. There's a lot of different things you can take from Novak as far as inspiration is concerned. But I think what stands out the most is, and always will be, is his will. You know, when you talk about that MRI, and I think Goran said something like 97% of other players would probably have not played. You know, you think about the treatment that he would have had to go through literally probably every 15 minutes throughout the day. We just see the couple of hours on the court and the fact that, oh, he's able to push through that match. This is 24 hours a day. And as Goran said, if he doesn't come away with the title... It's a failure. Yeah. So the entire team is under all sorts of pressure and anxiety the entire time. And to be able to deal with that, manage that, and still come out and do what he did, it's, it, it's a superhuman effort mentally, even more than physically. Right. And we, we talk about the past. We talk about a year ago. There's also the broader history of what's at stake. And he has leaned into this, Novak has. He's made no bones about the fact, yeah, I want that record. And uh, playing with 22 on the line... 
he gets it. And um, boy, I mean, we, we showed this all the time, and it doesn't get any less impressive. I mean, the, the, the idea I keep saying, no, Roger Federer could have 20 majors and it's on the bronze medal stand is just what, what gets me. But we uh, this is a fluid graphic. It changes, and right now we have a tie. Got that 22 on the jacket. It, it was ready to go, and, and we'll see what happens in Paris. Rafa, 14 of 14 when he makes the final at Roland Garros. Two guys with 23 in their in their, in yeah. their racket yeah. bag. Yeah. <laughs> ready to go <laughs> just in case, right? Uh, we'll, we'll see if he can make the final there. But you take a look at what Novak had to go through to get this 10th title in Australia. Listen, he, he talks about it. First round, second round. I, I'm worried. I'm concerned. I'm not practicing on my days off. I don't know about this hamstring. Then once the fourth round hit, he was like, I'm good, Lindsay. Yeah, and, and you saw the difference when he was able to take the court against Demon Hour. By the time he got to the final, there was really no question if he was going to be able to move. Those all went away, and that round of 16 match continued through Rublev and Tommy Paul. How about, did anybody call Enzo. who he would lose the one set to? <laughs> this is a great opportunity in the second set. This was maybe his one hiccup. He was up 4-0 in the second set breaker, and Tsitsipas able to get back into this tiebreak. This was the one time where you thought Novak, gosh, he looks really tight. And normally you can't say that about Novak. Steph able to reel off four points in a row and four easy points. You think, okay, maybe he's going to turn it here. And then Steph really does himself no favors. Two unforced errors in a row. First the forehand long. He knew that was absolutely huge in this match. Knew he had an opportunity to get back in it. The very next point, it's a backhand that he misses. That was Novak's get out of jail free card. What does it do to the other player when you have these opportunities, don't seize them, and suddenly they're playing off your back foot again? I don't think anybody meets the moment quite like Novak Djokovic. And, you know, forgot to talk about the return and how it puts so much pressure on somebody else's serve. His serve today was unstoppable. A, a perfect 10 right here, and you see all the things that he is able to do by winning this event. 28 straight at the Australian Open, 17 in a row against top five players here. 41 in a row in Australia. Has not lost in five years in this country. For these, these records are very difficult to even put into words. But I think another great example of why he keeps doing this over and over again is listening to him after, uh, you pointed it out, Steve, about his forehand, Goran said that was a huge part of his game that he wanted to improve over the last few weeks, uh, last few months, rather. Think about it. Novak Djokovic still finding areas in his game that he wants to improve. That's why he's able to do this. And as he said, I have a wild imagination. And in his speech, it was so beautiful. Never let go of those dreams. It doesn't matter if there's only one person that's going to support you. Never, never lose sight of that. Just, just impossible to put into words. Well, Twenty-two is our magic number. Twenty-two is also the percent of points that Tsitsipas won off Djokovic's serve. So sometimes it's the forehand, sometimes it's the precision, sometimes he was the better server yesterday. So he's finding different ways to win depending on the match as well. Yeah, if you go back early in his career, there were some questions about his fitness. Remember, he used to retire sometimes out of matches. Then there, he had a problem with the serve for a while. He was double faulting all the time. Any kind, any time in his career where there's been maybe one little glimpse of vulnerability, he just goes to work. And all of a sudden, next thing we know, it's like the biggest weapon <laughs> in Ben's tennis. He has that uncanny ability to really just lock down on an area of his game and improve it. And Prakash, you've been talking about it this whole tournament, the forehand. Yeah. We always know the backhand is so good, but all of a sudden here, you're watching, you're thinking, I think his forehand might be better now. And that is insane, especially at his age and everything he's accomplished, still trying to get better. 
at the height of his powers at 35 years old and back to the rightful place of the best tennis player in the world. Yeah. He is number one in the world right now. We're going to find out from Lindsey, John, and Prakash just how many majors they think Novak Djokovic can finish his career with. Plus, hear from the rest of the tennis world on that accomplishment. We'll also look back on Andy Murray's marathon matches in Melbourne. Some epic tweets as well. And bring you the best of the best top five plays from the past two weeks. You don't want to miss it. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to TC Live. A reminder to make Tennis.com your online information source throughout the entire season. Right now, Joel Drucker writes on the Wizards of Oz, starring women's champ Arena Sabalenka. And the baseline staff is dialed in on everything in pop culture and social media. Back in our studio, and there is only one person on this couch that knows what Arena Sabalenka or Novak Djokovic is feeling right now. John, is that you? Mm, so Prakash, is that you? I, I had a Grand Slam at Denny's once. <laughs> <laughs> it is Lindsay Davenport, and we haven't shown this for two weeks, but we flash back oh, come to on. 2000. Oh, no wonder you didn't tell me what was happening <laughs> in this segment. Gosh, you guys. Final in Melbourne. Come on. Taking on Martina Hingis. She was the top seed, the three-time defending champion. But like Novak Djokovic, she had also come in on the 27-match win streak. Lindsay ended it. Why does this look like this is from, like, the 80s? <laughs> the colors were lost. <laughs> it was many, many years ago. No, it's great to win, obviously, the Australian Open. Always seemed like less pressure playing there than other majors, and maybe because... It was so long ago. I don't know. You didn't drop a set all week. No. All two weeks. Too, too much sauce for Martina in the final there. You know? You guys. Can I just tell you? I, I was there. She was really good. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you, seriously, that was... Uh, I can't believe it. Any, any big, any big celebration after? No, actually, oh, yeah. I was supposed to fly on to, to another tournament in Japan the next day. So we kind of rushed all the... Actually, I think I went in a gondola just like... Um, yeah. 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 Just like Sabalenka <laughs> did. Yeah, maybe not with as big a smile. <laughs> there was a lampshade missing from yeah. her hotel room. No. Our <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. Hingis so. said after the match, I just hate playing you. Oh. Uh, you remember that? No. No. <laughs> beat her, uh, oh. You beat her in a, your first major yeah, final as well. Yeah, and that was the last singles one I won, so. Oh. Three, Looked three, happy. Three out of four. Three, yeah, man. There you go. Uh, uh, all and never lost a set in any of the slams that you won. Hmm. Pretty, we'll pretty yeah. decent, decent run. There. I can't believe it. Congratulations. This segment, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> come on. 15 days of programming. We've got to no, show our God. Australian Open singles champion winning the yeah. title. All right, still to come, we revisit an American renaissance in Melbourne, how a trio of new stars earned their stripes down under. Jensen Brooksby is unorthodox in the way that he approaches the matches, but he gets it done. It is the biggest win of Jensen Brooksby's career. 
What a moment for McDonald. Mackenzie McDonald and the USA continue their lovely move in the last 12 months to keep rolling through. One of the rising young stars of the tour in Sebastian Corda. Sebi, he moves on to the fourth round down under. Well, Americans were draw busters down under. It was a breakout event for three young Americans, the most to reach the quarterfinals of the Aussie Open in more than 20 years. Tommy Paul, Seb Korda, Ben Shelton, all making a name for themselves on the biggest stage and all rising to career highs in the rankings. And for more than just those three, I mean, we had the most Americans in the third round, men-wise, since the 90s. I mean, this was a, a wild resurgence of American men's tennis. Yeah, and we've been talking about the American men for so long, and normally it's, so oh, who's going to win the major? The first one since Andy Roddick, oh, so long ago. But for the first time, I mean, we really have this amazing group. We have some veterans. We have some newcomers. We've got some players that have been around with a little bit of experience. I mean, on that list, our two highest-ranked Americans weren't even on yeah, there, right. Francis and Taylor Fritz. So there's a lot coming for the American men. I mean, we started at the beginning of our show uh, 15 days ago. Would an American man win a major yep. this year? Steve, you bought completely in and you're getting closer because <laughs> look at the strides that they're making at every single major now. It's great stuff. You've got, uh, you got a lot of choices now. Mm -hmm. um, top 12 seeds on the men's side. One of them, Taylor Fritz, was American. So of the other 11 players, Five of them lost to Americans. So Rafa, Medvedev, Zverev. I mean, it was really an impressive tournament. And for the third straight major, an American reached the second week. Second straight major, an American reached the semi. So it's not just quantity. It's also pushing closer to that title as well. I think it's also worth noticing the age group that they're all in. All these new ones coming up, they seem to be some of the best in their age group. And look, as the players get older, you you need to look at that. You know, Roger, Rafa, and Novak have just been in a category of their own, albeit Roger a little bit older, so they've kind of just separated themselves. But sort of after that, all of these American players, you know, they have wins over the Medvedevs. They have wins over the Tsitsipasas. And these are the players that they're going to be competing for slams with. So I, I think it bodes well moving forward. And they're all One pushing each other to yeah. the, to the yeah, top. That's right. Let's talk Tommy Paul. Yep. Makes the semifinals. First American to do that in Australia since Andy Roddick back in 2009. What impressed you the most, Lindsay, about Tommy's two weeks? I think the, the sum of all parts, really, for Tommy. There's no question that you can see all the hard work he's been putting in. The belief is now there. But he was moving around the court so well. At times, he was dropping back and playing good defense and absorbing power. At other times, he was able to step in and finish points really noticeably with the forehand. Serve, not an issue at all. Being able to step to the line and hold his serve comfortably throughout the tournament, except against the best returner possibly of all time in Novak. But every single part of his game has taken a step forward and has improved. And that is really impressive at his age. Uh, Lindsay, that's a perfect way to look at it. Tommy, unlike, let's, uh, let's look at Ben, for example, who's got that giant serve and that giant forehand. Tommy does everything well. You know, he's so capable at the net. Taylor, Kyrgios have been on tape saying, you know what, he's probably one of the top couple movers on the entire tour. As you said, he's putting it all together now. And the more he can sort of increase the, the improvement of all of those things, he's going to be a really formidable force. Because I think that ability to do more than one thing, huge value in today's game. He's very open about saying that maturity was maybe a little bit late in coming for me. Now he's playing maturely. And I think that's also reflected in the different opponents he beat. I mean, all sorts of different scenarios, day matches, night matches. He beat Davidovich Fokina in a five-set match. He beats Bautista Gu, a steady veteran. 
outhit him. He was sort of out-veteraned Ben Shelton, ran into some trouble against Novak, as one does, but I think the variety of opponents says a lot about his maturity. He's top 20 now, says he wants to be top 15, top 10. I, I say, why not? Exactly. Uh, the TP is a, is a PTPer right now. Then we've got Sevi Corda. And success at the Aussie Open just runs in his bloodlines, right? You see him knocking Peter Corda, his father's championship banner right there. Both of his sisters, Nellie and Jessica, won Australian Open titles in golf. This is his coming of age, Prakash. What impressed you the most with his run to the quarterfinals? Well, that win over Daniil Medvedev, who's played so well in Australia the last couple of years, making the finals, and just one of the premier hardcore players in the game, at a Grand Slam, best of five, I think a huge level up. He's been doing great in the best of three set events as well, but winning that in a Grand Slam, I think steps him up big time. Now, if you look at his ceiling, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so high because he's improved his serve so much. He's looking a bit stronger from the back. I mean, he was, he was blasting away with the best of them. That match with Novak and Adelaide, I think something that he can take huge uh, improvements well. from. Yeah, abso absolutely. And, and just a lot for him to build on moving forward. You know, there's been a couple of players through the history of the game that make it look so easy. Obviously, Roger at the very top of that list. But Sebi is another one of those players. It just looks effortless from him when he's out on the court, how he moves around, glides. He's six foot five, yeah. yet he moves like he's much smaller. and He's low to the ground. His ground strokes, obviously, he's able to replicate with just such great beauty and ease. But there is room for improvement, and you touched on those two things, Prakash, the serve. you you got to be 6'5", got to be able to hit a big serve, and it's gotten better, but there were some times out there that maybe he reverted back, just trying to get him in a little bit and also get stronger. I mean, when you see someone like Alcaraz come up and get to number one in the world and you see how he was able to put on, I don't know, 15 pounds of muscle and become just an absolute beast, Sebi, we'll see if he starts to move in that direction. Also, curious to see what, what happens with the wrist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, he ended up having yeah. to retire with a wrist injury on his dominant hand, the right hand. So, uh, hopeful, hopeful for good news there. Yeah, that's, I was, this, this is a Naugahyde couch, so we can't knock wood. But, uh, you know, let's, let's not lose sight of the fact that he, he left this tournament. He had tremendous wins and then left this tournament with some real concern. A, a wrist injury on your dominant hand is something that we, uh, we hope gets well soon. But that's, that's cause for concern. Just 22 years old. Novak himself said he's going to be top 10 at some point. We'll see how soon it takes. And then we've got the youngest of the three. We've got Ben Shelton, who, I mean, last year at this time was playing number three singles at Florida. He was ranked around 600 in the world. Now he's in the top 50. Uh, we knew he was good. John, did we know he was this good? We did not. And <laughs> part of that is, you know, it's, it's hard to gauge in, in college tennis sometimes. Part of that is all the intangibles, the durability of playing best of five matches. I mean, we, we've been joking about, oh, it's his first trip out of the country, but that's an adjustment. There's jet lag. There are time differences. I mean, it's, it's an adjustment to play when you're not in the United States. I think that top 50 is really relevant. Yes, it's a milestone, but also it means doesn't have to qualify, doesn't have to lean on wild cards. He's got some finances now to pay extra trainers. I think that makes a big difference. He was a real revelation this tournament. Yeah, he was able to get into the Aussie Open main draw on his ranking, but that's from playing challengers all fall. He was just grinding at that challenger level. We're not going to see him on the challenger level, if ever again, <laughs> certainly not for a very, very long time, if that's the case. When you can win at kind of every level, obviously he was able to master the collegiate level, then the challenger level in such a short time. Got a sense that he was ready for the big time, but you never know with three out of five sets. You never know also how other fans in other countries respond to him. And he behaves a little bit differently than others. He really likes to pump himself up a little bit louder than maybe some of our other American stars. And they ate it up in Australia, and he felt so 
so comfortable. It was fun to see him really blossom on such a professional stage. We know his weapons are serving the forehand. He's a great athlete. But to see them play out on such a big stage at the highest level is fun, and we have a lot of hope and excitement for him. I, I think if you're a U.S. fan, you got to be as excited as it gets about Ben yeah. Shelton. He, he just showed us so much there. One, he has the type of game that can evolve into a Grand Slam contender. We have to see how focused he ends up being, but as, as we've talked about, he seems all in. Yeah. So we know you're going to get the work ethic from him, and also that it factor that you guys have both brought up. It, you can't always teach that. And we've really seen it shine on this stage. Uh, I think he's going to bring more eyeballs, more dollars into the game on the American side. Uh, very exciting. He wasn't going to play tennis because he said, that's my dad's thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's already passed his dad, Brian Shelton, who was a top 60 player in terms of career ranking. Excited to see what's left for Ben Shelton as he really takes this and, and, and just runs with it. More still to come here on TC Live. We look back on Andy Murray's wild ride in Melbourne from late nights to long rallies and Everything in between. Sir Andy Murray, and this is a tough first round. The 13th seed Berrettini. He's a smart tennis player, isn't he, Andy? Of course he is. Once again, beautiful direction from Murray. Oh, yeah, Murray. Absolutely miraculous. A magical match. It is the legend against the local. Absolutely world class. Gem of a rally from Murray. On one of the most memorable nights. Andy Murray masters Kokonakis in the greatest comeback of his career. Well, one of the big stories during week one was Andy Murray. The man with the metal hit proved his heart was as big as the ocean. You see his ranking where it was in 2016 to where it is now. But a couple of five-set absolute marathon matches against Matteo Berrettini and then Tanasi Kokonakis, the latter going until four in the morning, lasted nearly six hours, and that was the man who got through. Look, there are a couple questions you have to ask about Andy Murray, and, and Hart is certainly not one of them. But you've got to look at the body, you've got to look at the game, and then you have to look at how much you want to sacrifice at this stage. And when you look at the body, this is as good a sign as we've had yeah. in the last few years. And then you look at the game, when you can take out Matteo Berrettini at a Grand Slam, these are, these are huge signs. The question is, he knows what he had to put in work-wise to be able to get to the level that he was at. Can his body still take that? Can he still reach that level? These are the big questions, and, and we're not sure. Because he wasn't his full level against Batista Agut as he was in those last couple of matches, so there was some toll. Yeah, and I think sort of he'll have to process how long it's going to take him to recover as well. And great, you know, I, I won two best of five matches. The hip held up just fine. I, I lost to another veteran, but I was... What is this going to feel like a few weeks down the road, both physically and sort of metaphysically? But, you know, I mean, I think he's got to leave here really reassessing. Also, keep in mind, he's born within a week of the champion. So uh, a 35-year-old man winning majors is not so fanciful. He need only look at this, this result. Yeah, we talk about Novak and his desire. He's playing for history. I mean, what he's playing for, he's trying to go down as the greatest ever, separate himself from Roger and Rafa, a lot that is driving him. With Murray... You know, it, the same thing. I mean, he was number one in the world. He's won his majors. 
probably isn't going to get back to that level. So how does he still wake up every day with that same amount of drive? And how long will that last? I mean, it's pretty remarkable that he's still this driven to come back when realistically, can he win another major? It, it doesn't seem like it physically to have to come back from three out of five sets every other day. It just seems like it takes its toll on him. But it's so admirable how he still approaches this career like, I think I can get back up there. It's awesome to see. He loves it. He loves it. Still a huge inspiration yeah. for, for all of us. We love seeing him out there. 11th comeback from two sets yeah. down. More than anyone else ever. Yeah. Ever. And what he was able to do. And how about talk about inspiration? Uh, this tweet right here said he ran into the doctor who in 2017 told him, the good news is probably you'll have your hip. It can be fixed, but you won't be able to play professional sport again. I think we dispelled that myth. You take inspiration and motivation where you can find it. Athletes are very good at this, of turning slights and perceived slights into motivation. And, you know, I mean, good on Andy Murray. That, uh, that, that photo says it all. It really does. And then uh, brought back to earth when he went back home. Of course, he's got four kids, Lindsay. He said, school drop-off this morning. My six-year-old, quote, Daddy, don't give me a kiss and a cuddle anymore. When you drop me, just stay in the car. That's perfect. <laughs> well, I didn't know that one. <laughs> it, that is true. Things start to change, At right? Six. Wow. <laughs> as, he, as he's gotten older, he's, he's gotten so much more open with yeah. sharing so much more about right. his life. And he is such a funny guy. I, I, for one, have loved the fact that he's been so much more open. I think the fact that four years ago we thought, John, that, that this was it, right, for Andy Murray. And now it's not. Yeah, it, it was beyond thought. I mean, players were sitting down on the eve of the Australian Open for this retirement video that now must go, we must exist on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now here Andy Murray is beating top ten players in best of five matches. It's great. Play as long as you want. Yep. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We love it, Andy. Exactly. Uh, hope, hope to see you in Indian Wells. Uh, when we come back, we celebrate the champion even more, Novak Djokovic. History, now at 22, how many more majors will he win? Back to our top story, Novak Djokovic dominating down under for his 10th Australian Open title. His coach, Goran Ivanisevic, said 97% of the players would have pulled out after seeing his MRI before the tournament. But Djokovic is a different species. There has been a ton of reaction from around the tennis world. How about the man he replaced at world number one, Carlitos Alcaraz. Congratulations. Nick Kyrgios saying he will get to 28 slams easy. And the Aussie John Millman saying, uh, yeah, Rod's arena. But Novak's court. Absolutely. Uh, the man has won 10 times there. Pretty special stuff for Djokovic. So I want to get your opinion. We're at 22. We just saw what Nick Kyrgios had yeah. to say, 28 easy. How many does he end up with? Is that, I want to pick almost the over-under on 28. That's how scary it is. I mean, you really feel like the sky's the limit for Novak. We were talking before the show, is he going to win four this year alone? I mean, that's the kind of level he's at. That's the kind of commitment he's shown. Anything could happen, of course, with injuries. And, I mean, we've seen him not play majors in the last couple of years for a whole host of different reasons. But, um I, I think I agree with, with Nick. I, 28? Ooh. 20? No? No, that's about right. 29? Yeah. I mean, it, it, what's crazy to think is this one goal, he is wholeheartedly dedicated just to that. It's not that he's picking up Grand Slams as a, as a part of a bunch of other things. He is solely dedicated to this purpose. And when he talks about dreams and using your imagination to be able to create visions and be able to go after it, see it in your mind before you do it, 
we don't even know what he's thinking. Yeah. You know, he, he's not even acting like I'm in the fourth quarter of my career. Let me save myself and go after these slams. He is just, I'm in my prime. This is what I'm doing. I'm scared to even take a guess. I would venture yeah. to guess the over. That's, I know. <laughs> That's exactly where I was. When, when we size this up, it's, it's sort of bifurcated, right? It's two things. How good is the player? And Novak is peerlessly good. And then how much resistance can he get from the competition? And that's where my numbers go tick, tick, tick. That's where 28 sounds reasonable. He lost to Nadal at the French Open. He's lost one match then in seven tournaments. Sitsipas is this you know, flourishing 25-year-old player, beautiful back. He's lost 10 straight matches. He beat him without dropping a set. Rublev, hey, we have a four-seed versus a five-seed. Rublev's struggling to win games. Part of this is Novak. He, he's 35, but he doesn't play like it. He's at the peak of his powers. But also, I, I don't know, go down the list and you, you tell me where somebody Maybe beats Alcaraz. him. Right? I mean, we had such high hopes for him right. last fall, but we'll see if he gets healthy and, and he can challenge him. So much will be riding on that French Open. As he's Novak won. tries to get that calendar year slam. Five of the last seven majors he's played, he's won. Crazy. But the fact that we don't talk about father time. Yeah. We talked about it with Roger, talk yeah. about it with Rafa. He's 35. Right. It's not a, even a part of the discussion. It's wild. And he is back to number one in the world. 374th week, another record that he just keeps on extending on his own. Back to number one, passing Carlitos. Two teenagers, Prakash, in the top ten. And without the 2,000 points from Wimbledon. Yeah. Still, still there by, by a few hundred points. It, it's interesting, John, you, you, you know, your argument that you made, you take a look at this list here. I guess we got to see how Carlos continues to develop. Holger Rune, super hungry for that. He had that win over Novak in Paris. Um, some exciting stuff coming up. Only three names there have ever won a major. Same as the women's top ten, by the way. I, I think Nadal's health this spring will be a big factor in whether he's the favorite Roland Garros. But, yeah, I mean, go go through that. And there, there's some really nice, accomplished, stellar players there. But would you bank on them to beat Novak Djokovic? Surface be damned in a best-of-five match. Uh, Steffi Graf holds the record for most weeks at number one, male or female, 377. And I think now with this, mm. now Novak oh, is yeah. going to beat even that record. Now Now we're comparing him, men, women, everything. I mean, we're trying to come up with new categories for him to be able to break the records because you have a feeling they're all going to have Novak's name next to them. Like you said, that that's something that's been on his mind. He's been very open about it. He, he wants all the records, and he's coming for them if he doesn't already have them. More trophies to hand out in Melbourne. The Czech duo of Barbora Krejčíková, Katarina Siniakova. They've won 23 straight Grand Slam matches. They're, they're kind of like Djokovic. Going for their second straight Aussie Open title against former UCLA star Anna Shibahara and Shuko Aoyama. Japanese duo playing their first major final. Well, if you want to know how to play doubles, this is the team to watch. The big stat from today's match, 81% points won on the second serve. They do such a good job of taking care and helping out the server when they're when their partners at the net. But a good fight here from the from the Japanese team. But as you can see, the Czech team just moving so in tandem with each other, just so in sync with each other. And when you come to a big match like this, the team chemistry and moving along with each other, just such a big part of it. Even that little pressure there from Kuchikova at the net, sealing things. They have now won their last four Grand Slams that they have entered. First team to defend the women's doubles title here in nearly a decade. It's their seventh major doubles title as a team. They've got two here, two in Paris, two at Wimbledon, one at the U.S. Open, plus an Olympic gold medal, a WTA finals title. John thinks they're already in the Hall of Fame.
I could make that case. Uh, but no, this is, uh, we, we talk about Djokovic, and he's, he's our 1A story, but let's not fall asleep on this. Four straight majors. You didn't even name their junior titles also, That's Steve. Right. Come on. <laughs> yeah, my bad. That list is long. Checkmate indeed. Congratulations to that duo. Straight ahead, it is the highly anticipated, often imitated, but never duplicated. Best of the best from the Australian Open shots. You gotta see to believe. Back on TC Live, here's what's coming up next week on Tennis Channel and TC Plus. The WTA in France and Thailand, plus David Nakin, Dean Goldfein leading Team USA into Uzbekistan for the Davis Cup action. It is now time to finish our countdown of the most spectacular shots in Melbourne. Here is the best of the best five through one. Incredible! That's just big hitting there. Oh, that's an amazing point. Oh, my goodness. Mark that down for best of the best. from Tommy Paul. And then it's Paul. Paul catch curls one in like he did in the tiebreaker. That G's him up. He's a big unit. That's a great record in speed. He's just so strong. January. We've got our shot of the year. Go go home, everyone. That's so, wild. My favorite yeah. shot in tennis. When someone pulls that off and that two on a hard court, gets me fired up, Wiseman. I, I love it. I love it. And from the baseline, you never see people dive that far back. And in the ready court. to potentially hit another yes. one. Yes, right that back was in position. Exactly. Oh, spectacular. What's trending on social media? The only guy hotter than Djokovic down under. It's Jagger Leach. Oh, my God. Back to back to back to back. How about three straight titles in New Zealand for Lindsay's son? Oh. Pops is keeping it low key. Yeah. Just, you know, just little guys. Three in the bag today. Yep. You know what I'm going to miss asking you every day? I know. Did you get a text? I'm going to miss checking the score while he's playing. Did he win? Yeah, it was. Good news, he's not getting too big for his boost just yet. I hit him on DM, and he said he hit me right back. So he's going to have to win a few more before he starts ignoring me. Oh, my God. 
Awesome <laughs> stuff, Jagger. Three straight titles at the ITF level in New Zealand. And uh, we got one more. John, uh, take us through that. What's going on here? Oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> What's happening? Where were you playing? Uh, Brett Haber for you. Were you playing uh, tennis, John? Uh, Was this tennis pickleball? <laughs> it's, a, it's a tennis court in the back. That's all. I mean, you know. Photo says it all. TC uh, fam. Is there, is there a result? Buck is there there? A, a result you can share? Yeah, from that? yeah, who won? I'm not a braggart. Let's just say uh, but, I, I collapsed. Dropping it down. I've been through a lot in the last year, and it all came out after the match. I collapsed <laughs> my box. Worth time, D. Haber? Is that, did that happen? I, I can neither confirm nor deny. It's a lot of fun, though. Was this picture taken before or after the battle? Yeah, exactly. That was, that was post-match. Post post we had a good time. I can't believe someone put that up. There's, there's a two-week major. We have nothing else. We can show. <laughs> Listen, I'm with you. Actually, oh, we've got a whole photo shoot. Check this out. Arena Sabalenka. Oh, she looks gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, this, this was special for her. The Australian Open champion tweeted, wow, guys, what just happened? I have a fear that this was all a dream and I'm about to wake up. It, it, it was an absolute dream. Good for her. She deserved it more than anybody Beautiful. this tournament Beautiful. on the women's side. Congratulations, Arena. More TC Live after this. That music means it is time for our 15th and final stat of the day worth time. What do you got? Who remembers 1987? Second term of Ronald Reagan. Good year. <laughs> Listen to this. 1987, that is the birth year after which no man has won an Australian Open. So there is no player under the age of 35 who's won an Australian Open. And the same holds as well for Wimbledon and the French. That gives you some sense of longevity, of dominance. Crazy. U.S. Open is the only major which someone under the age of 35, that's like senior tour eligibility, has ever won. Also, only Four men have won this title in the last 17 years. That, that is what we call income inequality. That is a, uh, that is a monopoly. That's 35 wild. years that old. That is crazy. Crazy, that's, right? That's your best stat of the day. I would yeah. say the best say that was the best strong of the tournament. We're, yeah. like, we're like Novak. We finished, like a 35-year-old. We finished strong. Yeah. And that's, that's why crazy. we're saying that's that he's going to win though. You know, exactly. 28, 30. Yeah. No, nobody's, nobody's taken any of these right. three trophies. That's incredible. Wow. Uh, as we swing into spring, let, let's yes. look ahead a little bit. So Taylor Fritz yep. defending the title at Indian Wells. Will he do it? I think not an ideal start to the year for him. I think he can use this training block coming up. And I think it, it's going to really come down to what happens the next four weeks, see how much rhythm he can get into. And let's also not forget, this is the first time going into a 1,000 event as the defending champ. That, that's a completely different kind of feel. So I, I think we're going to know a lot more after the next few weeks. If you saw break point, you would know how much this tournament means to him and how gratified he was. When I give him a lot of credit, he's still having a very, even if you take that result out, he's still a top player, but that's a lot to defend. Yeah, and some of it will depend on, as of now, Novak cannot play. Will Novak be allowed to play? He said he hoped to get some good news in the next few weeks. That will depend a lot on Taylor's result there. Will Alcarez be healthy? I think it's a tough ass, though, to ask him to go defend that big of title. Uh, but we'll see. He loves playing there. He'll have the crowd behind him. We, we hope he certainly makes another good run. Maybe less pressure now that all those Americans, the other guys, yeah. are, are doing so well. He is at a career high eight in the world. Igor Sviantek went on a run that started last year uh, right before Indian Wells. Won six straight tournaments. After she lost here, she says, accept, adjust, move on. Does she repeat 
at the Sunshine Double. Gosh, that's a tough ask also. I mean, she didn't look like herself this entire trip down under. Wasn't happy with how she played in the United Cup. Certainly wasn't happy with how the Australian Open ended up for her. You know, you, you never want to underestimate a player who's been that dominant and was that committed to getting to number one. And there's a lot of players right now playing good, hardcore tennis. Obviously, Sabalenka. You also have Rabakina that has that new belief. I think it's going to be tough for her to pull off the double. Mm. I say she wins one of them, not both. Indian Wells, I mean, those conditions, a little sort of slower and sandier and grittier. I mean, we're, we're talking about a player winning two big tournaments back-to-back, -to -back, so uh, it's, it's hard to say. Yes, I think she will. Um, I wonder how she's going to process these two losses, one to Jesse Pagula and the other to the runner-up, Rabakina here. She was so good last year. She just kind of shot above the whole rest of the pack, and I think in that time, Everyone else has made improvements as well. And now, as you're saying, Lindsay, there are a few more threats on the hard courts. Perhaps she's not as confident, so that gap just a little bit less. And I think she's a little bit more vulnerable than she has been. Um, I don't think she gets the double done, but uh, still one of the top couple favorites at both events. She's defending almost everything every week from yeah. Doha to Roland Garros. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be tough to do. Uh, of course, these 15 days don't happen without everyone behind the scenes. A huge thank you, our producer, Mark Huska, our, our directors, Chris and Alex, Scott, Richard in audio, stage manager, Jess Kilnett, Aaron and Amy in makeup. Of course, Ken, Bob and Ross leading us all. We got, we got Chris, we got Kelly, we got Thomas on the cameras. Uh, shout out to all of them. And Martina, we, we love you. We miss you. We send all our strength to you. Um, it, it's been a blast. Uh, can't wait to do this one more time. Name the time. Let's go. <laughs> we leave you with the champions. They came and they conquered. In mixed doubles, Luisa Stefani, Rafael Matos. An incredible journey back from injury for Stefani. And then Barbara Krejcikova, Katarina Siniakova in women's doubles. They have now won two straight here. And the last four majors they've played checkmate when they're on the court. How about the Aussies? Rinky Hijikata, Jason Kubler in men's doubles. Second straight pair of Aussie wild cards to win at home. And what a year for Arena Sabalenka. Still undefeated. Wins her first Grand Slam singles title. She fixed her serve, calmed her mind, and conquered everyone in the field. And Novak Djokovic does it again. 12 months from deportation, a date with Grand Slam destiny. His 10th Aussie Open title, 22nd all-time major, the best player in the world returning to the top of the rankings. Thanks so much for joining us all tournament.